welcome to the CEO Wing Woman podcast. I'm your host, Christy Bowie, and we are talking today about one of the most important, but also sometimes scariest tasks for a business owner, and that is delegation and building a team. You guys, if you are following along with my journey right now, you know that I am hiring some incredibly important people in my business, and it has been absolutely terrifying to feel like I am giving over control to these people, feel like I am kind of not the one 100% in charge of my business anymore. So if you are feeling this way, number one, listen to this episode, and number two, you are not alone. So for our expert guest today, I am so excited to welcome Selena Johnson. She is a delegation queen, team operations expert and speaker who coaches, who helps coaches, course creators and service providers create self-sufficient teams by delegating decision making. Over the last 19 years, she's worked with two dames, a billionaire investor, a high achieving CEO all around the world to confidently lead and retain motivated teams to drive their vision so they can reinvest their time and energy into creating next level impact. She teaches her transformative five-step method, I Love My Team, designed to help you create your dream team. With this proven framework, she addresses team challenges, optimizes operations, and cultivates a positive and empowered work environment. The result? increased productivity, enhanced efficiency, accelerated growth, increased profits, and the development of leadership skills. She is a wife and mother of two delightful girls. Her love for organization structure is evident in all aspects of her life. In fact, she has even created an SOP for her six-year-old. I love that so much. Let's just say she's the chief of team simplicity. Selena, I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. So I just want to start with you giving us a little bit about your background and sharing how you got to doing what you do today. Yeah, I think it's just started out that I did a degree in graphic design and that was all about taking a problem and finding a solution and going through the steps to structure how you can get from A to B. And I think when I look back at it now, I think that's how guided me to where I am now because I love working with business owners who often come to me because they've got some issues that they're struggling with. And we're looking at how can we fix those solutions. So I'm very organized and very structured. I like taking something that's chaotic and making, finding a way to smoothen it down. I'm all about simplicity with ease. I love that. And I think as you grow in your business, sometimes we have a habit of making it more complex because we think there needs to be more moving parts. But, you know, I found the more I just simplify things, obviously everything will be simplified in a different way. But one simplified process that is repeatable and when I say templatizable, it makes this process of letting other people into your business a little bit easier. Absolutely. Sometimes as business owners, we question ourselves a lot. And we've had too many layers. We overcomplicate things so much. And sometimes we just need to build up that instinct and just reduce it down and just do it the simple way. Because often doing things that way is so much easier and it just makes it easy to re- rinse and repeat. Absolutely. Rinse and repeat is something I am working on right now in my business. And I kind of wish I had thought a little bit more about this before, before I had gotten so, so busy, which I'm sure is something you hear. So one of the things I want to ask you about is when do people either come to you or someone like you? What are specific issues in their business that they're facing that they're saying, I really need someone to help me build a team? Yeah, so usually they come to me when they're being reactive, not so much proactive, which is a better place to be in. And so normally how they're feeling is they critically don't have any time. 
they are overwhelmed, overworking usually. Um, they love their business. They are, are doing really well. They're creating great impact in others' lives. What they find themselves is they are promising and delivering on expectations with the customers and clients they have, but the back end is not looking so great. So there's things going on with the operations, the workflows, the team, and they're trying to scale their business, take it to the next level. But the, what's going on in the back end is dragging them back down, which means they're trying to go two steps forwards, but they're going 10 steps backwards, which is an awful cycle to be in. And they could be often hiring a rehiring phase. So it's just a sticky place to be where they've got team challenges, systems might not be in the right place where they want to be, and their time is causing a, a, an issue in their personal and business lives. I think for a lot of us, we know that this transition to building a team or hiring a new tech team member will be hard temporarily, right? There's no doubt about it that bringing on a new person is time-consuming. You have to train them and all of that. But what is the difference between this kind of temporary, yeah, it's going to be hard to bring in a new team member and, oh no, you don't have it right. Like, how do I tell the difference if I'm just in this phase of it's going to be difficult to grow my team or if I just like really need a complete overhaul? We know that there are times in business that it's just going to be hard. We're going to have to work longer. And one of those times is as we are bringing on new team members, we're kind of growing our team. So we know that that's going to be a harder phase. But how do we know if we are just going through this is a hard phase right now, or if we did it wrong and it's too chaotic. So I think there's a two-pronged approach to that. And the one area is the review of you're getting a return on investment with your team is, are you getting your time back? Are there passion projects that you wanted to get done that now you're finally getting to? Or do you find yourself still being dragged back into things, even though these team members have been here for a period of time? So it's, I would look at it as in, are you creating greater impact in what you're doing? Do you have more free time? Are you seeing that your financials are increasing from having these two members in? And in terms of the timeline of that, normally it takes 90 days to really fully onboard somebody into the business. So it's a case of tracking that those deliverables and making sure that you have the time capacity to work with them as well. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned 90 days because I think that's a really good indicator for us to say, okay, if it's harder in the first 90 days, that's normal. It is normal to have a harder phase when we are bringing on a team member. But if past that we are still struggling, there may have been some things that we were doing wrong or some things that we need to revisit in regards to this team member and the structure of our business. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there are nothing's perfect. You are going to get hiccups. But what I think is most valuable is the communication piece. It's over-communicated, having the time to say, do you have everything you need? Is there anything stopping you from doing this task? And having an open door policy so that they feel comfortable coming to you and you feel comfortable. Because what I noticed, a common theme is that when issues are happening, nobody says anything. And then it's three months, four months, and it's brewing, it's brewing. <laughs> and then it's just like a pow, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to have to do something about it, which often is too late. It's caused already significant impact to the business. So I would say there are issues you're having. Even if it's a tiny thing, let them know so they know how to improve. Because if your standards are high and they're below the belt, how are they going to get to that better standard if you're not giving them that feedback that they need? Yeah. 
I love that. So I know you mentioned that communication is going to be one of the most important things in a world where we're seeing so much more, you know, virtual. We're literally communicating across the ocean (laughs) and we're seeing, you know, different cross country, cross state, whatever that looks like workers. How do you recommend that we have kind of open forms of communication? Yeah, I love working with remote teams because it just opens up your talent pool to these amazing freelancers, these amazing workers to be with. Mm-hmm. It just helps in- it increase your business talent. In terms of communicating with them, there's multiple different platforms right out there now. I like to use Zoom for regular team calls for communication that are 30 minutes or an hour long. Um, but then in between those calls, we use Slack to communicate if it's something in between. Mm-hmm. And then also we would use a project management tool like Asana so that I can see for a bird's eye view what everyone's working on. Are we meeting the deadlines? Are we stuck on something? So that we can just make sure we keep on track with all the deliverables. Absolutely. I love that. And I actually did a complete overhaul of my project management tool a couple months ago. And I love it because now I can look at my project management tool and see the status of something without having to go to a team member and saying, where is this, right? And number one, like I never want a team member to feel like I'm micromanaging, asking like, where is it? Maybe I just genuinely wanted to know. But number one, you're kind of interrupting what they're doing by just asking those things. And number two, like I know that when I was an employee and someone asked something as simple as, where is this? It, it's kind of a stressful feeling. You thinking, oh, well, they think I should be further. Or they think I should have, you know, something. So having a way for me to visually see the status of where everything is in my project management tool without reaching out to my team has honestly been life-changing for me. Absolutely. I think as well, we can't store everything in our minds. I often forget things. I use it as like a way to dump everything from my brain down somewhere. So at least then it's telling to somebody else, or I know that that's something I need to work on because it can just easily be, get dismissed. Yeah. So when we look at building a team, I think one of the hardest things for a lot of people is really defining what the roles of the team member are going to be. In a business that is in the growth phase, I think there are a lot of positions that's like, well, you're kind of doing this job, but also a little extra here because I need help here, right? Like we're not in an established business with standardized roles. How do you start to look at the kinds of people we need to bring in and what their talents need to be for the tasks we have for them? Yeah, so it's a great question. What I like to look at is where the business is right now, but where is it going in the future? So what have you got in the pipeline in the next six months? So maybe you're thinking about bringing out a digital course, or maybe you want to launch a podcast. What's involved in that process and who are the key people that would need to be utilized in order to launch those projects? Do you have people in the business that have the skill set? Could you upskill them or do you need to bring somebody in? I find that often what happens in early stage businesses that they hire one person such as a virtual assistant, but they're doing too many roles at the same time. So they spread quite thinly. So they will want to help you and support you, which is great, but you just need to be careful that they're not over capacity because then what happens is the quality of work is below. We're humans. We can make errors easily if we're going at 200 miles an hour constantly. So it's been mindful to be able to document at an early stage. Okay. I'm really busy. I know that I need to focus on client delivery, networking, PR opportunities. I'm spending too much time sending out my email newsletter or doing my social media. 
So maybe I can get one person to help with my social media and the newsletter. And let, and then you're going to just do like a high level five to 10 bullet point of what that looks like. And then you're going to start adding more to their role. But if you find that it's becoming where quality of work is poor, the team member's not happy, that's a conversation you need to have to check. Okay. Are you still aligned with this role? Do I need to take something away from you or just pivot where you are in the business? Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at these team members that we kind of need in a piecemeal role, what is your take on when we should what I would consider to be like outsource something like hiring maybe a contractor who does have their own business and who's an expert at that versus when we should look at bringing more of an in-house employee. Yeah. So I bring in specialized team members if there's something specific I need them to do. So say, for example, if I, I'm in Asana right now, I want to go to ClickUp. Nobody in my team really knows how to use ClickUp to that level. So I would bring in someone specialized just as that work project to do that role. Mm-hmm. But it's got some say for example virtual assistants in your business and they're doing 20 to 30 hours a week and you're getting to the point where they're working with other clients but tasks are not getting turned around fast enough then it's a conversation to say can you just work for me and work within my business as a full-time employee or then looking for somebody else so it gets to the point where you just want that person only to work with you you feel selfish that you then need to look at changing them from being a freelancer to being in working inside only for your business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's some mindset shift around that. I mean, obviously, I don't know all of the rules of employee classification where you are, but I know here in the US, specifically, I'm in Texas, so we're a little more lenient. But what you are allowed to govern over what a freelancer does versus what an employee does is incredibly different. And I just got to a point in my business, I had kind of contractors who were subcontracting work for me. And it got to a point where I said, I want to be able to have more control over them. I want them to follow my exact process. And the way that, at least in Texas, it was defined that the way I wanted to treat them was an employee. It to In order to have this ability to regulate exactly the steps you're doing, it's an employee. And I also think there's something, a mindset shift too for people who come in as an employee. I'm not just kind of contracting this portion of work. I'm coming in and really building up the team. So at least for me, I've taken a couple key roles that I really needed those people to be invested in the business and made those employees. And then we have other roles, like you mentioned, social media, email, that are kind of contractors and outsourced roles. Absolutely. I think it's definitely check the terms within your space to make sure that you're compliant. Also, check your contracts, that you've got the correct contracts for the type of people you're working with, because that can be quite valuable to make sure that's in place. But also, it's a case of, like you said, it's just knowing where your business direction is going. And if you need a specialized service that needs that expertise, is it you, you need to weigh up the advantages and the disadvantage of having a freelancer versus hiring someone to be full-time in your business. And I think when you're scaling your business to the next level, it's also it gets to a point where you just want somebody in your business only to work with you because you put so much value and resource and money and time into them that you only want them to work with you. Yeah, that's such a great point. You know, uh, these people who work with you may have the opportunity to see and learn some incredible things being in a business that is in the phase that you are. So I think that's super important. One of the things I have heard a lot or been thinking a lot about lately is 
how in a business that is on the smaller side, that is fewer people, the cultural values of the people and kind of personality fit seems to be so much more important to make sure if you have a five-person team and one of those people doesn't get along, that's a bigger deal than a 100-person company. So what would you say from a personality or I've seen a lot, whether it's an Enneagram test or a, you know one of the tests, should we be looking for in people to make sure they're going to fit within our company and within the role we have for them? Yeah, well, I like to look like it's even going early stages to when you're interviewing someone, when you start putting out a, a job run, is to start thinking about what does your company vision and values look like um, now, but also what do you want to look like in the future? What companies have you worked for in the past and how have, how have you enjoyed those versus the ones that haven't been so great? Use those as key examples to so then kind of map out your business and then add that to your job description so that you're attracting the people who align with that and then you're rejecting the who are not so connected to your mission and your values. I think that's the best place to start with. And you made a key point. It's so important to have that outlined at the beginning because even if you've got one or two people, it's still important to have that so that you're having people who value the what you're trying to do, the shifts you're trying to make in your business so that they really represent you. They're, kind of, they're like a duplicate of your mind and where you're trying to go with the business so that when you bring in your fourth or fifth to tenth hire, they still are in the same ethos of your mission and your values because if you've got one rotten apple, it can spoil the whole crop. Yeah, and I think that while sometimes it can feel overwhelming at this stage in business, it's actually an incredible opportunity to bring in the right person that, like you said, you know, has the same mindset as you and you can bring them up with you. And, you know, I, I just think that there is nothing more important than making sure that at the very beginning, you are having people that, can then be in charge of the next person who you trust and who think the same way as you do. So one of the things that a lot of business owners struggle with or feel overwhelmed with about team members is how do we manage them, give them feedback, have team meetings? How do we be a leader for these team members? Yeah, that's a tricky question because you ultimately hire people to free up your time and you feel like your time <laughs> and go back in to spending it with the, these team members. You have to get an even balance that works for you because some CEOs don't want to be on calls all day. So they prefer to communicate through maybe Boxer, an audio app, or through Slack, a text communication. The balance that I like to have is having at least one Zoom call a week so that everyone's online. They can ask me the specific questions that they want to, to know. And then in between that, they've got an opportunity that we discuss as the best way to communicate with me if they need support. So I think it's finding a balance that works for you, but also empowering them to make those, those decisions so that it doesn't come back and fall on your lap to say, okay, what shall I do now? How do I do this? That they're making the key decisions that's aligned with the business. So that takes time to get them for what like the delegation steps from level one to up to six, where they're doing things without you having to get involved and it ticks all the, the correct boxes. It does take time to get there. I love that you said teaching them how to make those decisions because I think you're right. There is, you know, a world in which we have team members who are doing things, but then coming back to us to ask questions, to make that final call. And at the end of the day, you don't want to have to be the bottleneck in your business. I think that's where so many CEOs get stuck, having to make those final calls and decisions. But there is something 
that you have to empower them to have the ability to really understand. And on a previous podcast, one of the things someone said that really stuck with me was you should be so predictable as a CEO that your team members should be able to know what decision you would make in that instance. So it's kind of twofold, right? Them understanding you and your vision for the company and also feeling empowered to make the decision that is best for the future of the company. Yeah, absolutely. In the positions I've worked with before when I was an operations manager, I'll know the business owner inside out. I'll know where they'll go and eat, what they'll be doing on the weekends. You know, we knew everything about them and that came through communication. So it's really important that there's updates of what's going on in the business, what your future goals are, how do you think, how you make decisions. That's all through conversations. They will then get to another level where they're able to do these, but also you need to be able to give them that freedom as well. So if you hold onto too many of the reins, they're kind of within a box and they can't think outside of that box. So they can't think and be creative. So that can be quite difficult as well for team members. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Well, Selena, this has been absolutely incredible. We are closing up on our time, but before we close, is there anything else you wanted to say to our audience about what they should be thinking out, thinking about when building their team or delegating those first roles? I would say don't be too hard on yourself. Don't panic if this is your first, your second or third hire. It's going to be okay. Just be open with them as much as possible and have an open door policy with them. And don't be the lid on your business growth. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been, I feel like we've gotten so much value out of just a little over 20 minutes. So thank you so much for your insight here. If our listeners want to find you, work with you, connect with you, where can they do that? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. I am Selena Johnson. You can also take my free leadership quiz. So if you're currently having challenges within your business, take this free quiz. It's going to help you to see all the gaps within your operations and then the next step, to, quick step to fix that. So you can go to selenajohnson.com forward slash quiz. Amazing. And we will link that in the show notes below. I think I'm going to go take that and I'll just, I'll share my results and, you know, just see what's going on. And if you guys do take that, if you have some insights for Selena or I, that would be so exciting if you would share with us. Just let us know what you learned from this episode. Well, once again, thank you so much for being here. We've really appreciated your insight. And to our CEOs, if you have any thoughts, recommendations, requests for shows in the future, just drop them in the comments below. And other than that, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.